0: This is Tamiko Brooks, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast.
1: Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for scriptwriting information in print and on the web, and by Final Draft Scriptwriting Software, the entertainment industry standard for scriptwriting worldwide. My name's Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 28 for Monday, July 11th, 2011. Today, I'm so excited to bring you an interview with writer Tamiko Brooks. More about her later, but first, the news. I want to remind you about our homework, which is really pending, um, and that is... Elephant Bucks by Sheldon Bull. I'm going to be actually interviewing Sheldon this week. So I want to make sure that you get your questions in by July 17th for Sheldon. You can send them to mail at tvwriterpodcast.com. And just a reminder, uh, Elephant Bucks is all about sitcom writing. And Sheldon actually uh, knows a lot about other types of writing as well. And, and the book is helpful not only for sitcoms, but primarily the, um, the book is about sitcoms, so if you are at all interested in sitcom writing, make sure that you get that book as soon as possible. If you haven't gotten the book already, you can get it from the tvwriterpodcast.com site. There's a store link at the top that takes you to a little mini store that's got a lot of great writing books, including Elephant Bucks. There, there are some great prices, and every book you buy there helps your shelf and also helps support the podcast so i uh, urge you to do that um, another thing is sunday nights take part in the tv writer chat it's been very very cool uh, it's just a frenzy of fun um 6 30 p.m pst 9 30 p.m est you can get the details for that at tvwriterchat.com you just go on twitter and use the tv writer chat Hashtag, or else, if you go to ch- tvwriterchat.com, there's a link that takes you to a chat room that automatically enters that hashtag and makes it a little easier to follow. But definitely take part in that. It's for one hour every Sunday night. And one great reason to take part in the chats is that next Sunday, not uh, not this week, but um, Sunday, I guess that would be July 17th, we're going to launch the first TV Writer podcast contest and it'll be launched at the tv Redder chat there's some amazing prizes to be won i'm just securing the last few prizes this week but there are some really cool ones already so definitely you want to take part in that contest it's going to be running for uh at this point i think it's going to be about four weeks and if you want to get a jump on it you got to log on to the TV writer chat on Sunday night. Um, the TV writer Twitter database has now reached 730 writers and it continues to climb. Make sure to check it out at tvwriterpodcast.com. And one writer you can definitely follow on Twitter is me at gray Jones is my handle. And now a bio on writer to Miko Brooks. Tamiko Brooks hails from Detroit, Michigan. She earned a Bachelor of Arts degree from Columbia College, Chicago. After graduation in 1996, Tamiko headed west to L.A. and got a job as an assistant on the TV sitcom Moesha. Under the mentorship of some of the writers, Tamiko began writing spec sitcoms and ultimately received her first writing credit in 1999 with an episode of Moesha. Soon after, Tamiko became a re- recipient of the new, newly created Nickelodeon Writing Fellowship. Um, she became the first live-action TV fellow and was relocated to Orlando, Florida to work on the Nickelodeon sitcom *Taina*. Um, around this time, she wrote a freelance script of The Proud Family, And another milestone was reached in her career when Tomiko became an ABC Disney writing fellow. As a result, she was placed on the sitcom Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. The head writer was so impressed with her that he hired her on staff. She was with that sitcom for two seasons until its cancellation. And then she was hired as a writer on Half and Half. And uh, additionally, she's written freelance scripts for the, the daytime drama One Life to Live. And, uh, she has a lot of great tips about the industry and how to navigate it. So I think you're going to love this interview. You can follow Tamiko on Twitter at Tamiko Brooks. Very easy to remember. Anyway, without further ado, here we go with my interview with Tamiko Brooks. Enjoy. This is Gray and I'm here with writer Tamiko Brooks. How are you doing, Tamiko?
0: I'm good. How
1: are you, Gray? I'm doing very well, thank you. And I really appreciate you taking the time to do this interview. I think it will be a very, very informative interview and uh, really helpful for people to hear about your path through the industry. No
0: problem. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. So, uh, as we always do, we go way back to the beginning. And I know that you hail actually pretty close to where I am right now from Detroit, Michigan. Um, so what was, it like, what was it like growing up there? And I know in your bio you said that you were interested at a very early age in, in TV and film.
0: I was. You know, I wasn't, um, it's, you know, odd uh, being from Detroit. You never think that, uh, you know, the way you're going to go is to Hollywood to write or, you know, direct movies or television. But on a smaller scale, I just used to always write as a child, like stories, short stories, poems, just any writing. Uh, I was a nerd in class who, when the teacher assigned us like 500 words, a story as a punishment, I was happy. Like, everybody else (laughs) in class was sad, but I was like, yes. (laughs) And so, I was that kid, and but and also I was like, you know, probably shouldn't say this, but raised on television, you know, like all the classic sitcoms and things like that. Like, we were family watching television. And so, um, I mean, so that was a good thing, you know, Mm -hmm. to me. That wasn't a bad thing. So, anyway, growing up in Michigan, like, even going to school for it, I went to, like, school for communications or things like that. I I knew that I wanted to write in some kind of way, maybe be a journalist, but I wasn't really making the connection to television yet. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't really until, and I have to, I would just have to face Spike Lee, I guess. Well, I mean, starting earlier on, I used to watch the old black and white movies with my mom when they used to come on TV before like AMC. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm telling my age. But, you know, when black and old black and whites would come on television, my mom and I would sit and watch them. And I just remember watching Night of the Hunter. And just loving that movie for some reason, and just thinking like, okay, like thinking about movie ideas now in terms of not not just you know stories or you know novels, but movie ideas. And then when I saw Do the Right Thing <laughs> when mm. I was in high school, yeah. you know, and you know Spike Lee, you know, wrote and directed and whatever, and I was, and that it really hit me that you know like people do that, like you know people really like go to film school and write and direct movies. And so
2: mm-hmm.
0: after that, I just knew that I was going to film school Yeah, and, um, and I kind of went about it and, uh, I odd kind of funny because I first went to Michigan State. I guess I didn't want to travel too far away from home.
2: <laughs> so I went to Michigan
0: State. <laughs> and, I, and and I But I was excited about going there because two writers, oh my God, I'm blanking on their name, Jim Cash is one, and I can't remember his name, but they wrote a lot of great films in Mm. Hollywood, but they were professors at Michigan State. Wow. And I I knew that they were there. I like, I gotta check IMDb really quickly and get their (laughs) name. But I knew that they were there and I was like, maybe I'll have a class of theirs. But I also knew that Sam Raimi had ties to Michigan State and so I was just that's you know, I knew I had to go there and start in communications and just see what happened from there. But unfortunately, money woes and things like that, I needed to make a change and come back home. But I always still had film school on the brain and I ended up going to Columbia College, Chicago, Mm. which was a film school that I, I found all my own. It just hit me one day. I was like, you know what? I am going to film school. I I made an appointment to go visit administration fair. I... I booked my flight. This is really the first time I'm doing this all on my own. It's mm-hmm. like a 20-something-year-old kid, I'll say, at the time. But, you know, I told my mom, I booked the flight to Chicago. I'm going to Columbia College. <laughs> <laughs>
2: She's
0: like, what? So I was like, yep, I'm going there for the day check out the school. So I went to check out the school, talk to the administration, and, you know, next thing I knew I was signing up for enrollment. So that's where I went to film school and I'm glad I did. I was finally, so I was finally the, you know, movie TV nerd who was around other movie TV nerds
2: because, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, unfortunately being in Detroit, being a movie TV nerd, you get teased a lot because nobody thinks that's a viable, you know, option for you, for your future. They're mm-hmm. like, so oh, whatever, you're not going to write movies, you're not going to write for, t-, you know, yeah. so, so finally I was around my brethren at Columbia College, so. Mm.
1: Now tell me a little bit about that program, because that would have been, I guess, early 90s? Yeah. I went to film school in the early 90s as well, and uh, <laughs> my, my impression, and other people that I've talked to, is that, especially at that time, it was... Film, 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 film. There was very little TV. Um, it pretty much, pretty much anywhere. Like even people I talked to at, that went to USC, there was so much more of a focus on features. Uh, what was it like there?
0: It was. I was in the film program, so it was all film. Like I went for screenwriting and directing. That's what I was there for. Mm-hmm. So my entrance into television didn't really happen until I moved to LA. Hmm. So, but but going back to Columbia College college before I get there. Um, that was just a great experience for me because like one of my teachers at the time, he was a great teacher. Every student loved him. Mm-hmm. He was really, he'd worked in Hollywood for 30 years. His name is Bob Henrietto. He really like shepherded <laughs> a bunch of kids to move to uh, Los Angeles after they graduated. And mm. so, like we, and to this day, like we'll call ourselves Bob's kids. I mean, wow. He was he's one of the guys responsible for getting Columbia College Chicago on, on site at CBS Radford. Wow. Like they have a, they have a building on site at CBS Radford where interns from Columbia College in Chicago come and they work in the industry and take classes here and either they stay here or go back to Chicago to finish up school or whatever. But he was the uh, brain uh, child behind that, mm. But before that program came along, it was just once you graduate, pack up and move to L.A. So I caravaned across country with uh, some fellow graduates of mine mm. and, uh, and came from Chicago to L.A.
1: Wow. And when was that?
0: That was in 1996. I'm really telling my age here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm telling mine too. <laughs> I, I, I did virtually the exact same thing. Thing I, I well for me it was across Canada coming to Toronto and uh, graduated in '94 so hey sorry okay. about that <laughs> but um, so you headed west LA and pretty soon I think you got a job on uh, how do you even say it Misha Misha. Moesha 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 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It was a, a UPN sitcom starring Brandy mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's really where
0: my introduction to television came Because again, when I was at Columbia, all I thought about was film school mm-hmm. And was film, you know, writing for films uh and directing too But I never really branched out into that once I moved here but, So I got a job as a an assistant, a Moesha, and it was, you know, it was my first job in the industry, it was a job on a television show, I was happy to have it, you know, it was fantastic, and the first year, I was an executive assistant, Mm -hmm. assistant to the executive producer, the second, my second year on the show, I became a writer's assistant, and that's what really opened up television, the world of television writing for me. Mm. You know, I was new to L.A. I had, what, three roommates at the time, so there (laughs) were four of us in a two-bedroom apartment, And but those were the roommates who came with me from Chicago, from Mm. Columbia College, so we were all like artists, and so when I would come home, we would, like, most of the time be in the living room, like, talking about story ideas or things like that or or woes of the industry or, or whatever, so when I became a writer's assistant on Moesha, watching the writers sit around a table and break story reminded me of what I did at night when I was at home with my roommate. Hmm. And so I got the idea of like, well, that's like, that's television writing, you know? <laughs> They're breaking stories. It's like, that's what I do at home anyway. Why can't I think about television? Hmm. You know, because I'd only previously thought about features, And so... So, yeah, working on that show and then, you know, making great friends with the uh, writers who were on that show. There, one year, the Nickelodeon Fellowship came up the, uh, for the very first year of the Nickelodeon Writing Fellowship, and one of the writers, Fred Johnson, one of the producers, he told me and a bunch of uh, other assistants about it, and the first thing I remember saying was, oh, I don't know. And he looked at me and he goes, that sounds like fear to me. (laughs) And I was like, oh, really? Well, maybe it does sound like fear. So so I was like, you know what? I'm going to write something. I'm going to enter it into that. And so I wrote a friend's spec script, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, the television show Friends. I wrote a spec script of that, and I got into the Nickelodeon writing fellowship with that.
1: Very cool. Now, did you know uh, Courtney Lilly?
0: I did. We were both in the same
1: time. We were.
0: He was the first what, animated fellow, and I was the first live action TV
1: fellow. Wow, very cool. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and so now you actually f- from that went to was it Miami or Orlando? Orlando. Yeah. So so sorry, I, I'm showing my ignorance a little bit, but I didn't know that they shot TV shows in Orlando. <laughs> Yeah, well,
0: at the time, Nickelodeon used to shoot um, most of their—I I believe they used to shoot most of their live-action television shows in Orlando, Florida. Really? Like right next to the Universal Studios amusement park down there. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, they flew—they flew me down. Most of the the show I worked on was called Tyena
2: mm-hmm.
0: and most of the writers and crew were coming from New York. So here I am. Never meeting anybody there yet, but coming on to their, you know, staff as a fellow. Mm -hmm. But luckily, um, well, I happened to know one of the writers uh, because he had come and pitched to Moesha Mm -hmm. when I was assistant there for a long time. So I happened to know him and then, you know, I just met the other writers in the crew and I worked there for for a total of 13 episodes where most of the episodes were written so There was an an opportunity for me to write an episode, but I got to be in on, you know, every week's worth of production and run throughs and pitching jokes and, you know, rewrites for story, anything like that. So this was the first time I really felt like a part of the writing staff. Hmm.
1: Now you, you also around that time, or maybe a little bit before, you, you actually wrote a freelance episode of Moesha as well?
0: Yes. Well, when I was at Moesha, the, the very first credit I have is actually a freelance episode that they gave to the writer's assistants. It was myself and two other people, and they let us do a freelance episode, oh, and cool. so that was all of our very first credit, writing credit. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Yeah. And uh, and so, and then by by the time you were on Taina, that was, um, it was kind of like you were a staff writer, uh, but not necessarily writing uh, individual scripts.
0: Right, uh, yeah, I was- uh a fellowship writer, you could say, but yeah,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um cool, so, and then also around that time, um you did a freelance script for the proud family
0: i did um after after my Nickelodeon fellowship ended, uh and still you know going on with my writing career, uh one of the producers that uh, and some of the other writers that I used to know at they had moved on to an animated show um, that was now on the Disney channel called The Proud Family. And they were taking pitches for freelance episodes. And so I went in and pitched, and I got an episode. And so that was the episode that I wrote for for that show.
1: Very, very cool. Now, um, at that point, uh, you also were a Disney writing fellow, ABC Disney. Um, how, did, how did that come about?
0: That came about because... And, Here's here's my little crash joke, but <laughs> uh-huh. back back at the time, I, if there was a fellowship or a contest or anything to enter, I was going to enter it. So I to myself the fellowship hoe, <laughs> 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 and I was going to enter anything out there for writers and scripts and things like that. And you know what? I'm somewhat still a fellowship hoe because I'm, I'll still enter any contest or pitch fest or anything like that, but. Mm-hmm. I applied for the Disney Fellowship. I had previously applied and got rejected, but, like, that kind of only fuels me to try again, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, <Yeah. laughs> they must not know how good I am yet, so <laughs> I'm just going to show them one more time.
1: <laughs> was that after the Proud Family? Because I would imagine if it was a – you said it was a Disney show, so I guess that yeah, would help. Y- yeah,
0: you know what? The Disney Fellowship was after my Proud Family yeah episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. It was.
0: Uh, so, yeah, I entered, I entered into the Disney Fellowship, uh, for a second time, and this time I got in.
1: Very cool. So, so maybe you could contrast those two fellowships, because, um, I don't know too many people who, I know there are people who have done more than one, but, uh, I think you're the first person that I've talked to that has actually done more than one fellowship. So, um, so maybe tell me a little bit about what, how the Nickelodeon, um, what it, what it was like to go through that one and then contrast it with, uh, with the Disney one.
0: The thing that I'll say about both—I love going through both fellowships. I loved going to Florida and working on Taina it was fantastic. The only thing I think about the Nickelodeon fellowship was that I was involved in the very first year, mm. so they sent me to Orlando to work on Taina, and mm. after that, I worked with executives, but it didn't seem like there was any placement beyond that. Mm. So that was, you know, the end of my my fellowship with Nickelodeon.
1: Mm. So it was, it was kind of to get you, it got you sort of in the room for that first show. And then after that, it's kind of see, uh, the rest is up to you kind of thing.
0: Yeah. You know, actually almost everything is like that. I mean, that's the nature of the industry. The rest is up to you. (laughs) So, so you really just have to, um, get the experience while you can. And, you know, have a great time with it and just try to figure it out after that.
1: So mm. Well, and it and it sounds like even at that point you're I mean, it's still pretty pretty early in your time in LA, but it sounds like you were um networking a lot with people you had worked with. Um both networking with uh, with the people that you were in Chicago with and networking with uh, the people that you were on Moisha with and uh and So, I know that definitely is a huge part of it mean um, any of those sort of organized things that you do or um getting into a staff of of a show is is trying to build those uh those relationships
0: yeah, that absolutely is a huge part of it. You know you definitely have to build relationships, keep in touch with the um people writers or executives or anything that you've met, and you know just keep it going yourself. It's definitely you keeping up with your writing and keeping the relationships going. Because you know, there's always a new crop of of kids coming out every year who want to write in the industry. So there's always you know more writers to meet, more executives, and and everything. So,
1: mm-hmm. so um, so then, tell me about the ABC Disney Fellowship and how um, how was that like?
0: That was a, that was a great experience also. You know, first of all, the ABC Disney Fellowship is kind of the, the royalty of fellowships (laughs) in LA. So, so that's definitely one that you, that a lot of writers I know aspire to. So just being Mm -hmm. in that was, was an amazing experience. And also, they bring in so many different writers for you to sit down and talk to and meet. Like uh, you know, I had the opportunity to speak with Steven Boschko and Gary Marshall and just a ton of the showrunners, uh, past and present. I mean, it, you know, just to like sit at a table and learn from these other, you know, creative forces not so many things is really inspiring. Mm-hmm. And so, not only that, you just, you get assigned to an executive, and you pitch your story ideas to them, so you really, you really have to, you know, hone your pitching skills, and you uh, have to take notes very well, <laughs> and, you know, And but luckily, being a writer's assistant in the past, you know, I was able to see how writers in the room handled notes and rewrites and things like that, so I knew that it was just a part of the business and not something to take personally if someone didn't, you know, get a a pitch or, you know, like a joke or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just a part of the creative process.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, the Disney writing fellowship was just a really another way to just reinforce all those skills and, and, and meet with other executives. And, and one thing that they try to do every year is place their fellows on, abc or disney shows mm. and i was fortunate enough to get placed on a triple rule that season
1: wow I mean, that that must have been an incredible experience
0: yeah incredible is is uh an understatement Wow. well you know i was fortunate enough to be able to meet and work with for very briefly john ritter who mm. well, was such a nice man when I met him he was so nice and so welcoming and you know don't be nervous he would say to me you know but just jokingly he was really really nice and unfortunately he passed away like just right when I started on the show so But being a part of that process you know just watching how the producers and writers like kind of really reshaped the show and and, you know, try to honor his memory uh, with the upcoming scripts and take the show into, you know, a different direction. That was just something to watch as a writer, you know, of my, you know, status at the time. Mm. To sit there and see that.
1: Yeah. Now, you, you were with that sitcom for two seasons, though, right?
0: Yes. hmm So, it was uh, great because after my first season, the showrunner, like, the, the first season I was on the show, I was staffed as a as a fellow, and mm-hmm. then I stayed along with the show, and the showrunner liked me and liked me being there and decided that, that he wanted to keep me, so ABC subsidized, I think, the rest of my salary until I could stay on the show, mm. and then for the following season, I was hired onto the staff, like, just from the staff budget, you know, not a, not a fellow anymore, but as a staff writer on the show for the next season.
1: Cool. Very, very cool. And, uh, and so then very unfortunate that that show ended, um, as it did. And, uh, you, but it, I think you got pretty quickly onto half and half after that.
0: Yeah. The following season, I was staffed onto half and half, um, which I was joining the show in its fourth season, I believe it was, hmm. but. But that was fantastic because I um I got to work with a woman who who I'd always known in the industry for, you know, creating shows like Living Single, which I absolutely loved growing up. And that's of Atlee Bowser. So I was I was able to work on that staff and just work with the cast and a writing staff that I loved. So it was really great. But unfortunately that was the year that the UPN and the WB merged mm. and uh, so a lot of shows got cancelled because of that and half and half of one of those
1: hmm so i know i know that uh, imdb often has gaps and and after that um there's there's not a lot listed but then i also know that that was the time of the writer's strike which really really hit the industry hard Um, so tell me a little bit about what you did after that point
0: you know, after that point, it's just you have to, I, I have to remind myself that, you know what, I'm a writer, whether I'm getting paid for it or not, as long as I'm writing. So, mm-hmm. uh, so those times, those are the times in which, you know, I just did my own writing, did my own quote-unquote hustling, meeting, you know, independent producers on my own, pitching things on my own. And, you know, still being in the business without technically still being in the business.
2: Mm.
0: Um, those, and those are the times when, you know, like you said before, you, the people you have worked with before and networked with before really helped. I also got an opportunity to do a few freelance scripts for One Life to Live at that time. Mm. And, but that's because one of the executives that I met through my ABC connections was in daytime programming. Mm hmm. And I love daytime folks. Uh I do. I grew up on, I grew up on them, you know, I can't help it. Oh yeah. So I sent my material over to this executive and he read it. He responded to it. He was uh, coming to LA for a a week, I think, or for a short amount of time. And he just, you know, wanted to meet with me. So we met briefly and, you know, I, Talk to him about how much I love the daytime dramas, and he liked my work. So, at the time, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's still going on now, especially with the state of uh, daytime dramas at ABC. But mm. they had an ABC daytime drama program, mm-hmm. and it's basically where you can write a freelance for them or write a spec for them, and they'll see if they want to bring you on under a trial contract to write three more. So I wrote a spec of uh one life to live, and the way it works is that you don't just write a spec; they they send you something because I didn't even know how daytime worked. So it was really interesting to see how this whole process worked. Mm-hmm. They send you kind of like an outline, which is uh the way they work is they have some writers who write just outlines, and then then they send those outlines out to write the, the dialogue and the scene. So. Mm. They send you an outline and you have to write the dialogue in the scene. So I did that and it was well received and they liked it so they decided to give me the trial contract to write three episodes. Very cool. But it was great, but wouldn't you know it, the strike happened right oh, after no. that. <laughs> yeah, after I turned my first one in, I think. So, so yeah, so we were on strike for a long while and, and you know, there was no work that could be done. And once the strike ended, I did finish out my child contract, but there was just like no room on staff or for any other writers. So, hmm. but I got to write those three episodes. So I was happy with that. <laughs> very
1: cool. Well, and, mm-hmm. and I think, um, I, I remember the, the, the strike very, very vividly, as I'm sure we all do. Um, and one of the things that I remember at that time was that. Um, people outside of the industry were so confused because they said, Well, I hear how TV writers make so much money. Why are they complaining? Um, there's so many channels, there must be so much work, why are they complaining? And and um in particular the people were confused, why are they trying to get more money? And I and I remember the um the, the writers guild um even even putting out some numbers at the time and saying, "Hey, listen, we might have eight thousand members, but at any one time there's only two or three thousand that are working, like a small percentage that that are working and so I think for people who are coming into the industry it's it's um it's very important to have a bit of a reality check to say, Sure, there are people making five hundred thousand a year um in writing on on popular shows." There are also people who go two or three or four years without working um, and okay. that's totally normal. Like, very successful writers can go two or three or four or five years without without working or at least without being staffed, like, like everybody's writing specs, they're writing freelance scripts, they're maybe developing pilots. Um, things like that. And you might get dribs and drabs of, of, of pay from those, but even like successful showrunners. Like I, there's, a, there's a few showrunners that, um, that I've talked to about doing an interview on the podcast and they're very open to doing an interview, but they said, listen, I'm not working right now <laughs> and <laughs> I'd like to talk to you when I'm working. Um, and, and these, these are guys who have created several shows. And yet, yeah. you know, um, and so, I mean, if, if, if a, a showrunner who's created several successful shows can be a year or two not working, then it, it's going to happen to everybody. So, um, I think, I think it's very valid to talk about some of the, the strategies that, that, that we need to, to take. I mean, I certainly one of them is, is, uh, is financial planning <laughs> and, uh, and having absolutely a, and having a plan <laughs> B for income, um, Networking, which I, th- I see is something that you're, you're continuing, continuing to do very actively. Um, but what, what would you say are some of the things that people need to know coming into the industry about? And, and particularly when you're breaking in, um, your work is probably going to be inconsistent. Um, so, so what are some of the strategies that you've learned along the way?
0: You know, for writers, the, the biggest strategy is just to keep writing mm-hmm. and surround yourself with other writers who are writing. You know, fortunately for me, I have that. I have my friend who were in the Disney Fellowship with me and we get together periodically in terms of a writer's group. And it's so helpful. Um, it's helpful not, not just for our own scripts, but it's also helpful to sit around the table like we're in a room again. Mm-hmm. Even if we aren't, aren't working on a TV show at the time, it's like we are in a room. And, uh, so for, for any writers out there, I would say surround yourself with other writers and, you know, form a writer's group. You know, get that feedback, you know, on your scripts. Learn how to take notes from other people. Mm-hmm. And also just learn how to be in a room and just talk story. Because you know that's that's very important part of the television writing process. That that's definitely I think is the main thing. You know, you just have to keep writing, and you know, and keep. I'm you know also looking into other opportunities in terms of where your writing can go. I have a lot of friends who were formerly on staff who now have web series out there, and Mm. you know, are getting their name out there with web series. I have a friend who's writing and directing his own feature so it's definitely important to keep writing those specs and you know things like that but also you know i and i have to remind myself too when i first came into this industry i didn't think of myself as a tv writer i was you know a writer trying to make it in hollywood Mm -hmm. so now that i'm not writing on a television show at the moment i am a writer working in hollywood so that in that it's kind of freeing and it expands me because you know what? I'm not just a TV writer. I'm also a feature writer at the moment working on a feature, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not just a sitcom writer. Cause I've just finished a pilot of my very first, um, sci-fi hour drama, oh, cool. which I, you know, yeah, it's very cool. It's an idea that I had that I just really wanted to do. And, you know, but it's kind of that thing where if I was just thinking of myself as a TV sitcom writer, I wouldn't have done it. So you know, the important thing is just to keep writing, look for, you know, any new opportunities, any different opportunities. And, you know, there are former television writers from the 70s and 80s who are novelists now, you know,
2: wow.
0: <laughs> you know. So, I mean, Stephen J. Cannell, before he passed away, uh, he was writing novels exclusively. He wasn't even doing that, to- but, you know. Back in the day, all he all he was was the television guy, you know.
1: Oh yeah, he he was one so, of the most successful TV show creators. Absolutely,
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, so but you know, it's at some point along the way he transitioned into into solely being a novelist. So I think looking at things like that is just it helps you as a writer to think, okay, I'm a writer. I'm not just the type of writer that you know Hollywood sees me as. You know what I mean? I'm a mm-hmm. writer. I can write. You can, as long as you have your imagination, you can write what you want to write.
1: Yeah, well, and I, and I appreciate the fact that even after you had already um, finished one fellowship and had written for a couple of different shows and even had a, had um, a couple of produced scripts, you you still went to another fellowship. And I and I'm hearing these stories about people who even in their 40s who who are um, who are going to writing fellowships to get sort of a kickstart again um, so and in, in I, I know even uh, Jamie Livingston met you at, at the pitch fest so I appreciate yes. the fact mm-hmm. that you're you're going to these events you're you're entering these things and um, and I think people need to understand that it's not just you know 22 year olds that can do that kind of stuff
0: No you know um, everything you write, is a new opportunity. Uh, and, that, and that's not even my quote, that's a quote from Gary Hardwick, who's <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> a, another a former fellow, but also a, a writer and a feature director and a novelist. And I saw him speak one time on a panel. That's another thing that I do, is I like to hear other writers speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives me, like, just inspiration. And uh, But I remember him saying that, everything you write is a new opportunity. And so I always think about that. Like when I'm not writing even, I'm like, oh, I got to get something else because that's the thing. You never know, you know, if that script you have that's, you know, dusting in the drawer, if you pull it out, you know, what opportunities it can create for you. But you can't create anything if you're not writing anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and and also too, um, if you're only focused on, say for instance, sitcom writing, you're at the mercy of the cyclical schedule. You're You're at the mercy of staffing season is in May. And then if you don't get staffed or if your show gets canceled, you wait till May again. <laughs> but if you're writing pilots, if you're writing features, if you're, um, if you're branching out into the, uh, these other areas, um, then you can avoid being confined to these cyclical, um, rigid schedules.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I had to I had to learn that, you know, the hard way. <laughs> I had to learn that on my own. But that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, made me write my sci-fi one-hour drama, <laughs> you know, just for that reason, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, obviously, obviously being active on, on Twitter and, and Facebook and the chats and, and things like that. I'm sure that helps. And, by the way, people can find you on Twitter at Tamiko Brooks.
0: Yes, that is me. Yeah. That is me.
1: <laughs> cool. So if you were to meet yourself 15 years ago um, and, or, or somebody who is just entering the industry now and who wants to break in, what would your advice be to them?
0: Just take it as it comes. <laughs> you know, enjoy the ride and keep riding.
1: Hmm. Very, very cool. So, uh, so, anything new coming up or anything you want to promote, um, projects that you're working on?
0: Nothing to promote at the time. Like I said, I'm really excited about the one-hour sci-fi drama that I just wrote. Other than that, I'm going to just work on the next pilot idea I have and just keep the ideas pumping.
1: Very, very cool. Well, I think uh, uh, we'll close it off here, but uh, you've been so generous with your time, and I, I thank you so much for... Um, for sharing your path through the industry and I know it will be very helpful um, and so I look forward to seeing you more on Twitter and um, hearing about the great news when your pilot sells.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much,
1: Gray. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> okay, best of luck to you.
0: Thanks. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. And by final draft scriptwriting software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide.